Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everyone? It's Orlando with the KGW 3-on-3 Blazers podcast. Here's a sample of what's ahead on the pod. Is everything all good in Rip City? Back-to-back blowout dubs for the Portland Trail Blazers. Plus, put some respect on Anthony Simon's name, please. Derek Cowley has some crazy stats for us coming up. And the latest on the playoff chase, the Blazers looking up at the Mavericks. Can they catch them now? for the all-important sixth seed in the Western Conference. Enough of me talking. Let's start the show. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando again, joined as always by Jared Cowley and the one and only Max Barr. Guys, it is so good to be back on this Portland Trail Blazers podcast. Good to see your guys' faces as we do this thing via Zoom. And thank you so much to those who've been rocking with us since day one and also the newcomers who have been on the podcast. We appreciate your support, all the positive reviews that we've had in this season so far. It's been awesome to hear the love and support that we're getting. That's why we do this thing. We have a lot of fun and we hope that you guys enjoy this as much as we do as well. So we appreciate you. Keep it coming. It helps this podcast continue to grow. Guys, let's dive right in into what has been a, another roller coaster of a week in Rip City, where it felt like doom and gloom for the first half of the week. And then somehow, some way, here we are looking at things half full. At least I am. So let's dive into question number one, because we've got three questions for you, three answers, because there's three of us. Number one, the Blazers have won the past two games by a combined 42 points. What's been the biggest difference for Portland as it tries to get back on track? Max, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, um, it's been quite a couple of games. Two things really stood out to me over these past two wins. The first thing was obviously Anthony Simon's explosion against the Pacers. That was unbelievable. I'm just going to credit that win to him primarily. He was a plus 42 in the game. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Simon's in a few minutes. But The second thing I noticed was the overall sense of urgency that the Blazers played with against the Grizzlies Wednesday night. It was really clear that they were locked in on offense and on defense. And they really won the game by building that huge lead in the first half. They took care of the ball. The three guards, Lillard, McCollum, and Powell, scored really well. And they kept the Grizzlies from scoring in the paint. Valanchunas, he got hot, but he was hitting mostly jumpers. Um, So in the first loss to Memphis. The Grizzlies put up 74 points in the paint. In the second loss to the 
Memphis, the Grizzlies scored 50 in the paint. And on Wednesday night, in the win over Memphis, the Grizzlies only scored 42 points in the paint. And um, Memphis leads the league in points in the paint per game with 56. So Wednesday night, they were way under their average. The Blazers, by the way, are dead last in that category with 38 per game. But there was one moment in the second quarter of Wednesday night's win for the Blazers that Lamar Hurd called out on the broadcast that I just loved seeing. And I wanted to bring it up. Nurkic was dribbling the ball up the court. And Kyle Anderson ran up behind him and stole it. And CJ just got pissed off. He, CJ actually really smartly committed a foul to stop what would have been a fast break dunk. And he was talking to Nurkic about it immediately. And Stotts pulled Nurk was, right out of... He was yelling at Nurkic. He was yelling at him. And Stotts pulled Nurk right out of the game. The score at that moment of the game... The Blazers were up 71 to 40. They had a 31 point lead. So it was, but it was a clear picture of CJ's focus and the team's sense of urgency to get that win. So I, that just really stood out to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I like that because it showed a level of accountability that we have not seen with this team all season long, and 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 with Coach Stotts as well. You know, there's been a lot of talk about that, about how there hasn't been accountability for when the players don't execute the way they're supposed to. And for that to happen, for one, for CJ to hold Nurk accountable, but then for Stotts to back that up and bring him out of the game and hold him accountable as well. I mean, that's what this team needs. They have to execute in order to, especially with how difficult the schedule is going to be going forward, they have to execute. And, you know, the players have to hold each other accountable and the coach needs to hold the players accountable as well. Uh, going back to the Pacers game, in a vacuum, that game meant nothing. Anthony Simon's performance was really fun, but on its own, that win against the Pacers did nothing for me because we had seen this before in April. If you go back, you remember the Blazers beat the Thunder by 48 points on April 3rd, and then the next game they lost by 17 to the Clippers, and then they lost the game after that by 19 to the Jazz. Then they beat up on the Pistons by 15 points later in the month, that was a night Ennis Cantor pulled down 30 boards. The next game, they lose to the Heat by nine points in a game where they weren't competitive. They were outscored by 24 points in the second and third quarters. So I'd seen that before. You know, Portland's plenty good enough to beat up on the bad teams. But beating a depleted, scuffling Pacers team by 21 points, big deal. Really, if they had followed up that with a loss against the Grizzlies, nobody would care about that Pacers win at all. But then the Blazers really came out and proved it with a dominant win against the Grizzlies. And maybe their most important win of the season, and maybe their best win of the season, most impressive win of the season. Because they beat the Grizzlies, I'm willing to go back and look at what happened in that Pacers game to see what started there that then carried over into the Grizzlies game. And you look at what happened in the second and third quarters of the Pacers game. Going back to the first quarter, Malcolm Brogdon just cooked the Blazers. Scored 14 points, had hit four or six shots. He got to the line five times. And Portland gave up 35 points and trailed by one point at the end of the first quarter against the Pacers. Again, they looked pathetic. They weren't playing good basketball. They weren't putting out good effort. But according to Jason Quick of The Athletic, Damian Lillard asked to guard Brogdon at the start of the second quarter. And if you watch the game, you saw Lillard get after it on defense in the second and third quarters, which is something, honestly, he hasn't done very often this season. But he really did. He fought hard on that end of the floor, and he bottled up Brogdon. The rest of the game, Brogdon scored four points and shot one for eight from the field. And I looked at the minutes that Lillard guarded him. He was 0 for 4 from the field. He scored zero points and had two turnovers. 
So Lillard played defense, and that really lit up this Blazers team. After they got waxed in the first quarter, the entire team followed Damian Lillard's lead and picked up the pace on defense. Their defensive rating in the first quarter of that game was 129.6. That's terrible. But in the second quarter, it was 108. That's pretty good. And then it's 59.3 in the third quarter. That's ridiculous. Off the charts good. And then it carried over into the Grizzlies game. In the first quarter, the defensive rating was 88.5. In the second quarter, it was 82.1. And by that time, the game was over. So what we saw in these past two games from the Blazers was some life on defense. And that's what this team needs more than anything else. The offense is still struggling. In the past two games, they put up a 111.5 offensive rating. And that's only okay. It's four points below their season average. It would rank 14th on the season. But when you play the kind of defense the Blazers played the past two games, when you show that you actually care on that end of the court, you can pick up a mediocre offense. And man, if the Blazers can get going again on offense and show this level of attention to detail on defense, then they can be a a sneaky, dangerous team the rest of the season and even into the playoffs. It still all comes down to Damian Lillard. I've talked about it the past two weeks about how I think that his slump is the biggest reason the Blazers have been struggling the way they have. And is the offense has yet to get back on track. We're still waiting on that. The past two games, he has looked better just watching the games, but he's still averaging 23 points, shooting 41% from the field and 35% from the line. But to me, Damian Lillard showed why he is considered one of the best leaders in the NBA because he decided in that Pacers game that he was going to lead the way on defense instead of just waiting for his offense to come around. The players told Jason Quick after last night's game, that they had a talk recently and something was said along the lines of enough is enough and I'm sure there was much more than that they didn't want to go into it too much more than that with reporters but whatever they said whatever they did it was enough to light a spark and to give Blazers fans some hope that we haven't felt for more than a month that maybe this season isn't over yet so I'm not ready to say this rip city's back or the Blazers are back on track this is two games It doesn't erase all the bad that we saw in the rest of April, but at least gives you some hope that we've seen what they can do when they focus in on defense. And if their offense can really get going, then this team can challenge for that sixth seed. You know, they can challenge maybe even for the fifth seed, but we have to see it has to be more than just two games. We have to see this, you know, going forward for the rest of the season. Guys, you put it so so eloquently. I think that's that's great because I agree with both of your guys' points. And after the second Grizzlies game, I was ready to go in. I was so ready, guys. I, as Carmelo Anthony would say, I wanted all the smoke uh, for this podcast. <laughs> uh, it was time, man. Like I, I was I was fed up with with what I had seen, and they got worked, especially that that second game. It wasn't just like if you looked at the score, you would say, okay, they were competitive, you know, especially the, the first game. A couple plays here or there, and they, they, they might win that game. But the second game really got to me because it was, it was effort and it was that urgency that you, that you mentioned, Max. That's what annoyed me so much because a week ago when we had this podcast, I was convinced that we were going to see that urgency that we were going to see it in those two games against Memphis and they were going to come out and show what their ceiling really is. Yusuf Nurkic has, has played consistently well. He's, he's looked good out there. 
and and that gives me hope anytime he is playing well because he is so important to the success of this team. I figured that Damian Lillard would would come out of it of this slump that he has been on in the month of April. I I thought the the defensive I just thought they were a much better team than Memphis. And that's why it it felt like that second loss in particular was so inexcusable because it was it was effort. It was very those moments were so simple, like get back on defense. Like it is preached at like the, the earliest of levels in basketball. And you were seeing it. It was so basic. It was such a fundamental mistake that this team was making. It was very obvious in what Memphis was trying to do and pick up the pace, get more opportunities in the paint. And that 74 points that they got in game number one, holy cow, like that is a season high. Like that is so many easy buckets that you are giving up. You are giving yourself not a lot of wiggle room to win games when teams are getting high percentage shots like that. 74 points in the paint is just crazy to me. So when we saw the Pacers game, which we'll dive into the spectacular game that Anthony Simons had, but that is also a get right moment. Like that was your chance to just feel good again to play freely, to have that confidence return, to know that you are a team that can compete. Like you need those games. Even the good teams need to be reassured that, hey, we have some studs on this team. We can, we can get it going. Our offense can click. And that's what we saw. We saw them come out in, in the third matchup against Memphis and punch them in the mouth to return that, that, that punch and knock them out essentially in the first half of a game, which has been so rare this season. And to have those back-to-back 21-point blowout victories is unheard of in Rip City. Like, they just don't happen. I think Jay Allen put out the stat that they haven't had back-to-back wins like that in in over a decade or something like that. So it's super rare when Portland does these things. And, like, there was no excuses. Like, Memphis was at full strength. Like, they had their dudes. Like, this was a legitimate play-in matchup. And it was nice to see these guys get up for this game and for the players to admit after the game that we wanted this Carmelo Anthony in particular saying, yeah, we, we really wanted it. We were motivated by it. Um, and shout out to, to Dylan Brooks. However you feel about him, man, I know Rip city probably is annoyed uh, by him, but like, he is such a dog. Like we've seen him and covered him at Oregon and he was the same dude. Like he is fearless. And it was, it was nice to see him check, Dame, it was nice to see him check mellow, like these vets to see them be motivated by something. And it took them getting smoked the way that they did um, for that to happen. But it's, it's been, this game has been reinvigorating for me and somebody watching this team, like, Oh, they can do this. Where has this been all season? Like, this is what we've been asking. So to see that performance gives me some type of hope the way that Jared had mentioned as well, that, okay, this team can play at a higher level. Oh, yeah, they are pretty darn talented. And, yes, this team can only go as far as Damian Lillard can take them. And I still have the utmost confidence that he's going to be able to work his way through this. And to see them hit shots in the first half like that was huge. But also, like, that, you know, let's let's kind of open our eyes and see them play defense for once. To see them getting back, like, very simple things to just cut off the ball to stop the ball before players get into their lanes, like just very simple fundamental things that they were able to do that. Yeah. Coach Stotts deserves 
criticism for for you know decisions he'd made late in games but also like this was an effort thing this was an urgency this was a pride thing so to see them get up for it it's just too darn bad that they've had to wait until we're down to the final 10 games of the season to see them play this way but with all that said like they've now put themselves back into this conversation that we were a week ago where I was optimistic about them because dude, I was ready to go in. I really was like, I was, I was disgusted by what I saw in those two games against Memphis. So uh, my, my perspective has somewhat changed back to where I was. And I thought I was going to have my flip flop moment uh, where I just buried the blazers, but I feel like I'm, I'm back in a, in a safer place again, guys. Good. It's good to have you back. And, and I'll just add that it was also really good to see Yusuf Nurkic play in the back-to-back. Yeah, That was uh, one of a few things I got wrong on our last podcast. I was sure that he was going to rest one of those two games. He didn't. He only had to play about 20 minutes in each game. And hopefully there are no ill effects, any, no knee swelling, nothing like that. And he can do that again going forward because he, he's needed out there. Yeah, and I think that I think the reason I'm cautiously optimistic and not ready to go all in on on this after two games is just that there is that frustration of why did it take this long to see this? I mean, we we know that like earlier in the season they had injuries and and we can you know that can explain away some of it, but you know Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum have been back for more than a month now. It's been more than a month since the trade deadline that brought Norman Powell here. Why is it taking a month for them to show some urgency for for them to show that they care? Um, and so that's why I'm just cautiously optimistic. I'm not ready to go all in at this point. I need to see more. And they certainly have opportunities against good teams to, to continue to prove it because the schedule remains brutal going forward. Yep, that's for sure. I agree. Show us more. You know who, who also showed us some more? Anthony Simons. My goodness, guys. Yeah, Question number two. Let's talk about the development of Anthony Simons. He, he lit up the scoreboard, guys. This was a lot of fun to watch. He had his first nine three-pointers against the Pacers. But he's had a solid season overall and seems to be playing some of the best basketball of the season here during this stretch run. What has impressed you guys about Simons? Well, I'm the moron who had to apologize earlier this season <laughs> when I said something really stupid about Anthony Simons, something about him not looking like an NBA player. That was really dumb at the time, and it looks even more dumb now. <laughs> at the time, I wanted Simons to prove it. I mean, that was kind of my point that I made with, you know, in the wrong way. There's this third season breakout expectation you have with Blazers players. And through the first 14 games of the season, I looked it up, you know, back when we had that conversation about Simons. He was shooting 30% from the field, 32% from three, and averaging four points a game. So I was really underwhelmed, and I wanted to see more. But since then, you know, since that, those first 14 games, he's established himself as a really valuable rotation player for this team. Over the past 43 games, he's averaging nine points and shooting the ball really well, 45% from the field, 46% from three. And he looks like a good NBA player out there on the court just about every night now. I looked at his per 36 numbers, and they look pretty good. 18 points, five rebounds, three assists with the efficient shooting. He's still a liability defensively this season, but there's a little bit of hope there too. If you look at, I'm going to break down this date. We're going to look at March 26th. Through March 25th, the day before March 26th, 
his defensive rating was 119.4. That's terrible. That's the second worst on the team behind Nasir Little. And because of that bad defense, his net rating was a negative 10.6. That means that when he was on the court, the Blazers were getting outscored by almost 11 points per 100 possessions. But since March 26th, since March 26th, there's been a really drastic difference for Simons, both on offense and defense. Since March 26th, his defensive rating is third best on the team at 102.8. His offensive rating has soared to 122.2. And so now his net rating since March 26th is a plus 19.3. That's far and away the best on the team in that stretch. The next best on the team is like plus six or something like that. I looked up the five-man units featuring Anthony Simons since March 26, and every single one of them that has played more than four minutes together featuring Simons has a positive net rating. That's 19 different lineups that has Simons in it that has a positive net rating anywhere from zero to 108.9. So that date marks a few things. One, it dates the first time Nurk returned to the court. It marks the first day after the trade deadline when the Blazers traded Gary Trent Jr. And maybe it's just Ant feeling like the Blazers have finally put their trust in him. They traded Gary Trent Jr. They put Norman Powell in the starting lineup. And then they basically just gave all the backup guard minutes to Ant and said, run with it. And maybe that's created a level of comfort for him that is allowing him to thrive. Because since Gary Trent Jr. was traded, Ant is shooting 50% from the field and 52% from three, and he's been the Blazers' best defensive player by defensive rating, their best player by net rating. And I'm not saying he's their best player, but he's showing more on the court than he's shown at any point in his career. He's shooting the ball lights out. He's playing really good defense, and he's finally starting to look like the player that Neil O'Shea has always told us he is the best player he ever drafted. Well, Anthony Simons is starting to look like he does have some of that potential, some of that talent, and it's showing on the court. So it's been incredibly impressive to see his development and just what he's done since the Blazers shipped Gary Trent Jr. to Toronto has been really interesting to watch. Dude, you are spitting fire right now. I've got the mind-blown emoji going right now because, <laughs> dude... I mean, that is, that is so huge, and it makes so much sense if, in fact, those were the internal issues that Anthony was having because there's a, a lot of truth to that just from the standpoint of figuring out where you are in this roster. What is your role? And that's always been a question, and I think one of the things that impresses me most about Anthony during this stretch has been his ability to, whenever his number is called, be able to go out there and make a positive impact on the game. And a lot of respect, man, because to be able to do that is just so tough. And now we're once again seeing those glimpses, Jared, that you mentioned of, oh, yeah, when he gets hot, he is scary. And what he was doing from the left side of the court, man, like those things are just automatic. Once the heat check goes down like green light bro like fire away because ooh, like i mean yeah that was a lot of fun to see it and once the first one goes in you're like oh that's butter like it's going in like it, it felt so automatic when it was leaving his hand even when even the the, the tenth one that that he kind of forced i f still felt like the tenth one was going in to go 10 for 10 in that game 
Yeah. Um, shout out to Jordan Kent for his "We Got a Fire Ant" call during the <laughs> during the Pacers game. That had me laughing pretty hard. I think that's one of his best calls of his young uh, announcing tenure with the Blazers. To me, I mean, I completely agree with both of you guys. The most impressive thing to me about Simons lately is is his ability to just when his number's called, just come right off the bench after sitting there for, you know, at least 20 minutes of real time after the game tips and shoot like he is just fully warmed up and locked in. It's not like he's had consistent minutes or a consistent spot in the rotation this month. He's had games of six minutes, two minutes, five minutes, and eight minutes in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned his efficiency last week in the month of April. I'm re- 49% from the field, 52% from behind the three-point line. If you take away the explosion against the Pacers, if you just remove that game from his game log, he's still shooting 45% from the field and 44% from three. That's, That's awesome. still really good. In March, he shot 45% from the three-point line. So the efficiency and just the overall poise that he has shown as such a young man, such a young player over these past couple months has just been really great to see. You know what uh, else kind of stood out to me, guys, is sometimes we get so, uh, you know, tunnel vision, we're in the weeds, the way that we watch these games. And um, I was I was sitting sitting here watching the end of that game um, with my wife, and she was like, look at how much fun he's having. Like, he's so adorable. He's such a kid. He's <laughs> fun. And like I forget, like how young Anthony Simons is, uh, and and how much more he still has to grow, and I think that was like a transcendent, just fun moment there that I don't think I would have noticed if it weren't for my wife just pointing out like some of those things that go beyond just making shots or whatever, and the way that the team really has a genuine rooting interest yeah. in supporting him. Like that was clear as day during his post-game interview with Brooke Olsendam. And then I think even during the uh, post-game Zoom with, with the media, Damian Lillard had said something like, I'm his biggest supporter. And so like to have that love and support around a young player like that, that can only be a good thing that when his number is called on in these moments, that he is put in the best possible position to succeed. And to have this stretch run has been super fun to see. And I mean, the kid is, is always smiling and I know he tries to, he, he's a very chill personality that, you know, tries to not get too high or get too low and, you know, really model his game after how Dame approaches everything. But I haven't seen smiles like that since the slam dunk contest. <laughs> so that was, that was super dope to see Anthony have that moment on a, a human level and on a team level and, those type of things spark other stuff. And so that could add to the way you come out in the next game as well. Yeah, he's still just 21 years old. <laughs> That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> you know what year he was born? This makes me feel so old. <laughs> he was born in 1999. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's, that's awesome that he, he's, you know, this is his third season in the NBA. He's only 21 years old. I mean, this kid... I think he has a really bright future and I haven't felt this, you know, uh, optimistic about, about his career and, and where it's going, uh, at any point, you know, maybe since 
he got us all super excited, you know, with that crazy last game of the season, his rookie year. Yeah, the Kings game. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, he's, he's, you know, it's more than just, I mean, the shooting is obviously what you see and, and what you, you notice, but like in last night's game, when he came in for his first shift, he missed his first two threes. But like on the other end of the court, he got two deflections. So he's doing it on both ends of the court. And even if he's not, you know, making his shots, he's not lollygagging on the other end. He's out there. I mean, he's, he's rotating. He's uh, just, his activity level on, on defense is, is much more noticeable uh, lately. And so I, I love what I'm seeing from Anthony Simons. You guys know what else uh, this type of run does is it gives Terry Stotts confidence in him. And, to your point, Jared, when you were super down on Anthony, uh, you know, he seemed like, and I, I want to say, I even said this, he's the, he's the odd man out in the rotation. Like yeah. his, his time was diminishing. I thought he was done. I didn't think we'd, we'd see him down the stretch when Stotts trims that roster rotation down for the postseason. I thought he was out. Now he's in clearly. Uh, he looks like someone that Stotts can rely on and go to. Um, in meaningful games like we're seeing down the stretch here and so now I think he's he's a part of the rotation where he wasn't before yeah definitely all right guys let's move on and check in on the playoff race with question number three looking at Dallas and Portland's schedules this coming week do you feel any differently about Portland's chances of finishing as the sixth seed Max, you want to take this one? Yeah, so here is where we stand as of Thursday afternoon. The Mavericks now lead the Blazers by a half game for the sixth seed. The Blazers, they've got a two-and-a-half game lead over the Grizzlies and the Spurs. So the Blazers, their next four games, all on the road, at the Nets, then a back-to-back against the Celtics and the Hawks. And they finish off the road trip at Cleveland. Now, one injury of note, I just think it's worth monitoring. The Nets' Kyrie Irving is not playing Thursday night due to groin soreness. It may just be a rest day for him ahead of the game against the Blazers, but just something to keep an eye on. Um, Now, as for the Mavericks, their next four games are are at the Pistons, then a home back-to-back against the Wizards and the Kings, and then at Miami on Tuesday. And now you might think that the Mavericks have a much easier schedule there, but the Wizards are hot. They are 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. They're making a charge for the playoffs in the East, and the Mavericks are 0-2 against the Kings this season, and both those losses were earlier this month. Dallas has also, they've also got several players banged up um, who've been on the injury report often. It sounds like they're going to rest Luka Doncic for Thursday night's game. Well, Porzingis might be back. So if you ask me, do I feel different about the Blazers' chances? Not really, not yet. I think, like you guys said, need to see more. Um, if the Blazers had lost to the Grizzlies Wednesday night, I would say they have no chance at the sixth yeah. seed. But after that win, I think there is still a chance. But I'm still kind of in the same place I was last week, which is it's unlikely. What do you guys think? Yeah, just because you look at their remaining schedule, the Blazers have the fifth hardest remaining schedule in the NBA. The Mavs have the third easiest. 
So that gives, I mean, the Blazers do have the tiebreaker with the Mavericks. So that's a, you know, a check in their column. But the Mavericks, just because of how easy their schedule is, they have an automatic advantage. Um, you know, Portland's also just two games back of the Lakers in fifth. So if the Blazers really want to make a run here, they have a chance, but they're going to have to, I mean, their schedule's hard. They're going to have to beat a lot of good teams, but they proved that with the way they played against Memphis, that they can, I mean, I don't know. Memphis isn't on the same level as a team like the Nets at full strength or, or some of these other teams that they're going to play, especially down the stretch. But the Blazers showed how good they can be when they pick up the pace on defense and we know how good their offense can be. So it really is up to the Blazers. You know, they can make a push here, but they're going to have to beat some good teams. And I agree with Max. I mean, if you look at this, schedule for the Blazers. The Nets are going to be tough. We'll see if Kyrie plays. James Harden isn't playing. Um, Durant probably will, but the Nets are going to be tough no matter what. The Celtics, you know, they've lost four of six. They've lost to some bad teams too. You know, they lost to the Bulls. They lost to the Thunder. The Hawks, um, they're up and down. They've lost three of five. They've been a little banged up. They lost a game to the Pistons, but they also have good wins lately too against the Heat and the Bucks. Um, and the Cavaliers are bad. So, I think the Blazers have to probably go at least three and one in these next four games to keep pace and, and be where they want to be. And the Mavs, like Max said, I agree. I mean, the Pistons are, are bad, so they, they should win that game. But the Wizards have been great. They're, they want a playoff spot. They're fighting for it. The Kings just seem to have the Mavericks number. And it's always tough to beat Miami on the road. So I think the Blazers, I mean, it's all in their court now. Like, if they want this, they have to go earn it. And we've seen before when they've had these second half surges, you know, this team in, in the past and years past, they've beat good teams on their schedule. I mean, it hasn't always been just, you know, cupcakes that they've been beating up on. They've gone in and beat good teams at home on the road. So they can do this, but they really have to, it, it's all, it's all on them. It's all on them. If they want it, they have to go get it. It's crazy how um, one or two games can totally change the way you feel because I've been pretty steady in my opinion on this team. But after those first two games, as I mentioned to you guys, I was ready to, to flip. You know, I thought that, that that was it. I thought that was the breaking point. And after seeing their performance lately, I'm going to stand pat and, and say that they're going to still end up with the sixth seed. I think they're going to do enough to, to, to get it done. To your guys' point on, on the Mavericks, like, yeah, Luca's had his moments and, and he's an amazing player. And we, we see those highlights uh, when, you know, he – takes over games and wins them, but they haven't done enough to scare me or, or make me feel like they're going to run away with their remaining, so to speak, easy schedule. Um, and then also with the trailblazers, like they end the season with Utah, Phoenix and Denver. And I wonder what Utah and Phoenix and Denver will be playing for at that point. Yeah. And, and we know what, Portland is playing for like they need those days off like Damian Lillard needs that time off so that they're not in that play in exuding just using so much energy to get out of the play in I it's it's so huge like they have a purpose like Portland has that a reason to have this urgency now like you get like Jared had, had mentioned as well like prove it to us now let's see it again. But um, as it stands right now, guys, I, I'm going to hold I'm going to stand pat on on my you know, original take that I, I think this is they're going to end up with this with the sixth seed. It's it's going to come down to that last week, uh, you know, this the second week of May. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, 
to, to see how this ends up. But CJ McCollum has, has been pretty open in saying how, how much they want that six seed, how important that six seed is to this team. So let's find out. But uh, as, as it stands right now, we're, we're going to, we're going to see what, what happens in the next two weeks, man. Like this is, this is going to be a good time. How quickly do you guys think Lillard needs to come out of that slump in order for that to happen, for them to capture the sixth spot? Right now? I think yeah, I think this now. weekend. I think yeah. this. I think, you know, Brooklyn, Boston, mm-hmm. Celtics always seem to have their number. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just imagining that, but it seems like the Celtics recently they always play, they, they win close, close too. So, yeah. yeah. So those. So I think games, I think it's time. Yep. Yep. I think you know just eyeball test. He has looked better to me the past couple past few games. He's not. You know. He's still not shooting the ball well, but he's just looked better. Um, yeah, I agree with that, especially in the first half against the Grizzlies yeah. Wednesday night, for sure. Yeah, I mean, again, in the first half against the Grizzlies, he was finishing at the rim, which is a, a big thing that he hasn't been doing during this slump. Um, but yeah, he has to come over it now. I mean, he has to, he really has to go on one of these Lillard tears for these last, what is it, 10 games left? I mean, we've got to see peak Lillard. Um, I think that's what it'll take. You, you kind of uh, reminded me also of um, Coach Moran, uh, Jim Moran. It was, it was uh, the second Grizzlies game, and he had just a, I thought, a relatively candid um, mid-game interview with, with uh, Brooke Oldsendam and, and Blazers Broadcasting, and him just saying, like, we need to get back. We need to stop looking at, at the refs to, to bail us out and complaining, like, all of these these little things, like they, it, it, it reminds me of, of Dame getting to the hole, and when when those fouls aren't 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 there, like he's got to just continue to attack. Let yeah. Terry worry about that stuff. Like get get back, um, worry about the the next play because eventually Dame is going to start getting those calls again. Um, and and I understand when the the shots aren't falling, Dame is trying to press, get to the rack, draw the foul, get going at the line. That's the right thing to do. Uh, to to get into a, into the flow of the game, but you can't worry about all those little things. And I, I think Dame is taking those steps not to, especially in that uh, this last game against Memphis, where he really focused in on I'm going to play defense or the Pacers, excuse me. When he really said, "Hey, I, I'm going to take responsibility. It's on me. I need to be better going into that Pacers game." And then he delivered by example on defense, and then that has carried over into this Memphis game. So. I think you're seeing at least the, the perspective. We, we heard the, the right words. We heard this team say how important it is. And now we got a sample of how they can put it all together. But Dame, this team goes as far as Dame, as, as Dame takes it, point blank, period. Yep, I agree. Agreed. So, guys, the other thing, this, this podcast goes as far as Max Barr takes us. So, <laughs> Max, we need you to step up here and, and, and take over. All right, I'm going to do my best here. It is great to be back with another week of Rip It. On our last episode, it was a celebration. Jared's dream became reality yes he, he was. more like my nightmare ended 
Yeah, and our friend Nate's reality became a nightmare <laughs> because Jared won his first Rip It game of the season, defeating Orlando, and our first Rip It guest player, Marvin Iverson. Now, reminder for all you listeners out there, if you want to play Rip It with these guys, all you have to do is tweet us your answers. We are Jared Cowley, Orlando KGW, and Max N. Barr on Twitter. Last week, we had a lot more people respond with their answers to join the game. That was great to see. So everyone, just be sure to get us those answers in as soon as you can. This week, we've got a new player joining the game. His name is Edmund Dantes. And if you listeners out there are thinking, hey, where have I heard that name before? Edmund Dantes. Max, that name sounds familiar. Could it be the same Edmund Dantes who in the early 1800s was framed by his friend for a crime he didn't commit and sent to prison only to be consumed by the idea of revenge until he was granted the priceless gift of knowledge by a fellow prisoner who helped him escape and create a new and powerful identity? We've got him as a listener. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, it's hard to say. I can't really confirm. Uh, For those who may not know, Edmund Dantes is the protagonist in The Count of Monte Cristo. Now, this Edmund may not be the true Count of Monte Cristo, but I told him with a rip it win, he may become a new Count, the Count of Monte Ripto. (laughs) But now now I have to beat him. (laughs) Let's find out how you all did. Let's get to the recap. And we are going back to the first game against the Grizzlies on April 23rd. The question was, who will make the most three-pointers in this game? Grayson Allen. Bob Covington or Anthony Simons? Jared, you went with the Grizzly. You went with Grayson Allen. That was a mistake. Orlando, you said Covington rule engage. And Edmund Dantes said it should be Simons, but Covington loves that shot too much. Grayson Allen, 0 for 5. Covington, 1 for 5 from 3. And Simons did not attempt a three-point shot in eight minutes. Wow. So Covington, one for five, wins it. <laughs> Don't Orlando, bet against him, man. Don't Orlando bet against and Edmund him. are on the board with the Covington rule. <laughs> Moving to the second loss to the Grizzlies on April 25th, the question was who will finish with more assists, John Morant or Damian Lillard? Jared, you said give me Lillard. Orlando, you went with the Grizzlies this time. You said John Morant. And Edmund Dantes said, I'll go with the odd floppy hair of Ja Morant. <laughs> this was Lillard. With, hey. only f- with only five assists, Lillard <laughs> takes this one. Morant only had three assists in that second game. So Jared's on the board, and we're all tied up. Didn't he have, we'll like, have 33 points or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just the three dimes. Moving to the Pacers game, the question was, who will score the most points between Malcolm Brogdon, C.J. McCollum, and Karis LeVert? Orlando, you went with Karis LeVert. Jared, you said C.J., and Edmund Dantes said, duh, C.J. by 15. (laughs) Brogdon, Jared, you said it earlier, he got hot in the first quarter with 14 points, only had four more the rest of the game after Lillard stepped up and guarded him, so 18 for him. CJ had 20, Karis LeVert 16. Hey, look at that. Not quite by 15, but still. No, no, but he, he was half right. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, here we go. 
Moving to Blazers at the Grizzlies. The question was over or under 16 points for Carmelo Anthony. Jared, you said under. Orlando said, you said, I want all the smoke, three of the dome, <laughs> over. <laughs> and Edmund Dantes said, it should be over, but I'm going under. And he gave, he gave out a total of 14. Oh. Uh, Carmelo Anthony was over with 18 points oh. That's right. in the game. So Orlando gets that one. A crucial question oh. for Orlando. That means it all comes down to the wild card question. Are we, Where, t- are we tied? Are we tied, tied right now? All three of us? Or? Okay, so right now, Jared, you've got two. Orlando's got two. And Edmund Dantes has got two. Oh. All right, there we go. So oh, here we go. Man. The wild card question. Here we go. Was, which game against the Grizzlies will be the highest scoring game of the three? Oh, no. <laughs> Jared with the oh, no. Jared, you said the second game. Orlando, you said the first game. And Dantes also said the first game. And he said before the teams can make adjustments, he thought it would be the highest scoring. And in that first game, the teams combined for 258 total points, which was the winner. The second game, 233. And the third game, 239. Which means... We have a tie. It's a rip-it tie. <laughs> it's the classic rip-it tie between Orlando and our guest player, Edmund Dantes. Way to go, Edmund. That was, you know, kudos to you. Three out of five is not easy. Unfortunately, nowhere this week. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe the Count of Monte Ripto will return. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, well played. Thanks, thanks for playing. What I liked about uh, Edmund's on- answers also was uh, – that he made those little comments with each with each answer. I thought that was yeah, cool. yeah. I really appreciated that as well. So when Good you're stuff. submitting your requests or your your answers to us, you know, have some fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was great. Appreciate you, Edmund, for for joining, man. Um, you have now felt the true struggle of Ripper <laughs> and how difficult it is to win this game. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, guys. It's a new week. It's a new game. We're looking for a new player. Get us these answers, people. Get them Here in. we go. Here we go. Blazers at Nets. Who will score the most points in this game? Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, or Kyrie Irving? Hmm. I'm, Full I'm disclosure, I, I, I wrote this question before I knew Kyrie was out Thursday night. So yeah. I had no idea. He could, play, he could play the game. What were you saying, Jared? I'm going to go with Durant. I'll take Dame because I I know he's playing. <laughs> I feel like I know he's playing. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. Could could be the slump buster. Yep. All right, Blazers at Celtics. Which player will finish with the most rebounds? Robert Covington, Robert Williams, or Jason Tatum? Hmm. I'm going to go with rebound. Jason Tatum. I, I, I want to join you, Jared, but in the spirit of this rule right now, I've got to ride the hot <laughs> hand. Roco, give me Roco. <laughs> I don't know why I don't like latch on to the Covington rule. I, lo- I lose every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Blazers at Hawks. 
who will make more three-pointers? C.J. McCollum or Bogdan Bogdanovich? Give me C.J. I'm going to join you, Jared. Give me Christian James McCollum, please. Blazers at Cavs. How many players on the Cavs will score in double figures in this game? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll let you go first this time, Orlando, because I, I appreciate I that. I think we're both uh, thinking the same number. Yeah, let's you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have some fun here. Let's go six. Let's let's, Ooh, okay. let's have some fun here. All right. Uh, all right, then I will go with uh I, I'm I'm gonna go with four. Nice. Okay. And the wild card question of the week. This could be a fun one. Which team will Damian Lillard make the most three-pointers against? Mm. Nets, Celtics, Hawks, or Cavs? I'm going to go with the Celtics. Let's let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. All right. Doubling down on your... You have that as the breakout game. Yeah, you could have yeah. two for one right there. Yeah. yeah. All let's right, guys. Win, baby. We will find out how everybody did next week. Guys, that was that was pretty cool. I, I really like the, the guest uh, rip it. Um, and especially this past week, because we did have a few people participate. And if I remember, I'll try and maybe, you know, keep track of a few of them just in my head. Just I'm curious to see if anyone has like a perfect week because yeah. it's so it's so hard to, to get all these ripping questions right, because there are so many just elements to these questions. So I, I thought that was really fun just to see people like agreeing or disagreeing. I had I had one person who was like, well, uh, who messaged me and said, well, at least I got the, the rip it question, right? Like after, after they lost. And I'm like, I'm like, well, welcome to the yep. pod. Because yeah. that's, that's, that's how we find these like silver lining, like minor victories in, in all of these games. And so I, 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 it's super fun. The more people we have engaged in it. And so kudos to you guys for coming up with that idea. Cause I like it. I really do. Yeah, me too. Guys. This was another good one. But as they say, all, all good things must come to an end. It's that time. Thank you so much to everyone for rocking with the pod, for subscribing, leaving those positive reviews. It really helps us out oh so much. Please continue to do so. Let everyone else know because we'll be back better than ever next week. See ya.